tried There were days when you start Trying to please the crowd When they're unforgiving There are easier ways To make a living Well, we've come a long way Since the start of things When we've seen the 18's entered 16's are left Four games remaining And then the big one Big GF Who's going to make it? Who's going to win? We'll find out tonight As we get into The Lace Out Podcast Once again Your host, Christopher Pepper With the co-host With the most J-Dog, Jamie Wallace, how are you after an exciting week of Finals Football 2018? I am pumped and I'm on the Melbourne bandwagon. What? I am on the Melbourne bandwagon. Hold on, rewind the tape. A week ago, you tipped us to get smashed. I'm on. He's on. I'm on. I can tell you the lid has been removed just a fraction. It's still on, but it has been removed just a fraction after their magnificent effort on the Friday night, which totally shocked probably all 91 plus thousand people who turned up to the game and uh-huh. many more at home watching their television set. So we're blown away. But I must admit, four games of football, probably looking at three okay games and an absolute Barry Crocker with the Swans. Uh-huh. Um, but we're going to spend a little bit of time talking about each of the games. We're going to talk about them in order. Um, mm-hmm. What caught your eye? We'll talk about the two teams that are now going into holiday mode, being Geelong and the Swans, and a bit of a forecast for this week's games. But besides, uh, before we get into the games, I want to hear overall thoughts, feelings. What did you feel um, after having a look at the games over the weekend? Jamie Wallace. Uh, I think the games went pretty much as expected. Um... I suppose the the teams that are um, that we thought would win would win. Other than my tipping, I think I tipped one wrong. You tipped three wrong. I'm pretty sure. Not that we're keeping stats. Uh, hold on a second. No, I picked West Coast to beat Collingwood. I Did picked you? yes. I picked Melbourne to win, and I definitely picked Richmond to beat Hawthorne. Okay. The one I we're didn't get wrong there. was the one that I did get wrong was the Swans. Yeah, I, I think I may have got. I think I may have got. Uh, two wrong and two right. Yep. I can definitely screwed the pooch there on the Swans. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what? With a couple of minutes to go, probably about 10 minutes to go in the game, they were still only sitting on 18 points. So that score of four goals, six was flattering yep. for them. Uh, they've got a lot of problems. We'll have a chat about that shortly. But uh, mm-hmm. I reckon let's just get into it. Um, let's go bang straight away on the Thursday night. A 91,000 plus crowd hit the MCG to see the Richmond Tigers take on the Hawthorne Hawks. With the Tigers prevailing 13 goals, 17, 95 to 9 goals, 10, 64. Uh, it was a bit of a back and forth affair for the first half, but it just goes to show what Richmond do is that they just squeeze, they squeeze, they squeeze, and teams just can't go for go with them. And then after half time, it just went from uh, Hawthorne kicking four goals to the Tigers kicking um, eight. And yep. it, w- it was all over at three-quarter time. Yeah. It's going to yeah. take a lot to beat that mob this year. Mm-hmm. Um, the conditions also helped Richmond with the um, the small forwards being able to get onto those loose balls in the forward 50 and um, snap a few through. So that was good for them. Yeah. You know, the interesting thing when you watch what Richmond is, is that they play the game completely different from everybody else. Uh, one of the things that a lot of people have been saying is their pressure around the football. They definitely do that. But if you have a look, they've got no hesitation just to hack the ball out of their defensive 50 and bang it forward. They don't kick. They may not even kick it to anyone. They're not really phased because they know that their midfield is going to be 
swarming on that ball. So it's just a matter of getting meterage down the ground. Mm-hmm. And Hawthorne just weren't able to uh, contain it. And then as, and as soon as the shackles were off, Richmond just did their own thing. Yep. Well, forward, uh, sorry, Richmond get forward of the ball really well. Their, their midfield runs both ways super hard. Um, so as you're saying about all the toe pokes and, and just getting the ball forward, it always will land in a Richmond lap because their midfield um, push up the ground hard. So they're always there to get those loose balls. But they don't, but it's not luck. And that's the thing no. with them. They, you know, a tap here, a tap there, it just makes a difference because they know that they're going to be running. And it's going to make it really difficult for opposition midfields because they've almost got to work twice as hard in two-way running. They have to push hard to try to get mm-hmm. away from the Richmond defenders. But they know if there's a turnover, they're going to have to work twice as twice as hard to get back the other way because they know that they're going to be uh, swarming down in, in rows, not just ones or twos, but threes and fours and fives hitting the, the forward 50. It's, yep. And you know, it just goes to show that you know, Jack Rewald, who I thought was the player that they had to stop, didn't even kick one on the weekend and they're still able to dominate the game. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I don't, I don't know. But, you know, Hawthorne, they were very, very average. Their roughly was average. What about the two misses from Burgoyne, Bruce? Mm-hmm. You don't see that happen all that often. Are they going to have two, two low games in a week? I hope so. Uh, from a selfish perspective, I really hope they have two very, very lazy weeks. Yeah. But they're going to have to turn around a lot what they did wrong on Friday night against another team, being Melbourne, who are just as hard around the ball as Richmond are. Uh, yep. And have played three very, very good games in a row. Yeah. I don't know. It's, it's going to be yep. interesting. But they were, just, they were just brutal. And I think Dusty just showed that when you think he's had a bad year, he comes out and puts on a performance like he did on the weekend. That was just amazing football. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was, for sure. And mind you, the uh, the shot from the boundary. Yeah, he meant that completely. Like, like if it was me, it would have been totally out of my ring. Maybe yourself might have been a fifty-fifty, but he he meant that. Like it wasn't even a a boonana or a check side or anything. He just slotted it on the boot and started running back. It didn't even look like it was going to miss even from there. No, and the reason why you would miss for Chris is because you actually have talent. Where I'm the complete opposite. It's like tipping. The people who have no idea about football win the tipping. That'd be me kicking that goal. Well, just letting you in on that, uh, saying that people who have got no idea win the tipping. Uh, mm-hmm. Congratulations to my beautiful, amazing wife, Narelle Pepper, for winning the Pepper <laughs> Family uh, tipping contest. Approximately 10 people in it and one with five, uh, five game margin. Oh, done a Richmond on you. Oh, she's, she's done a Richmond. And at the start of the year, she couldn't have cared less. Couldn't care less. Halfway through the season when she was up there, she took a bit of interest. By the end of the year, I'd be getting home and asking, hey, we're going to get your tips in. No, no, I've already done it. Yeah, right. So, yeah, she was very, very passionate. And you're right. It's, uh, it's the ones that you don't worry about. Mm-hmm. At the end of the day, you should have worried about. Mm-hmm. But in this case, Richmond, they're just, they're just going strength to strength. Josh Caddy, yep. he just needs a head. He's a head that needs regular panel beating. He's just a flog. Um, <laughs> But you look at their best. Martin, Prestia, Cochin, Rioli. Le- Rioli, first game back after a while. Didn't even look like it. Lambert, mm-hmm. Grimes, Grigg. Mm-hmm. Hawthorne's best, same old. Omira, Mitchell, Shields, Smith, Henderson, and Sicily. Yep. Stratton going down with a big hamstring. It's going to make it difficult. They reckon they might bring in Showmakers. They could bring in Mira. Yeah. 
one of them's going to have to play on probably Tommy, uh, Tommy McDonald, who had another fine game on the weekend. So it's, uh, it's going to make it a little bit harder for the Hawks. But I don't know. The Tigers have got the week off. They've got the Friday night, as you would have heard on the radio. Mm-hmm. Eddie Maguire, not too happy about that. Controversy, yeah. Controversy. But 91,446 Thursday night football. Yep. Amazing. It is amazing. It is amazing. What do you reckon for this week, Hawthorne? What are they going to have to do to um, stifle the D's, in your own expert opinion? I um, I don't think they can. That's as simple as it is. I don't think they can. I think um, I think Richmond and Melbourne play a very similar pressure pressure game, um, where the Geelong and the Hawthorne play a very old school uncontested possession game. So I think that Melbourne. Um, yeah, we'll, we'll make it look easy. Yeah, fair enough. Um, if Melbourne bring that heat, they oh. did. Well, we'll get into that in a moment because we will. I got nothing to say about the Richmond game. I think they're just they're just a class above, and that was clear. Yeah, I think out of all of the results over the weekend, that was that was pretty much a lock. Um, mm-hmm. And they're going to go to a Friday night final, and they're going to take on the winner of Collingwood and West Coast, I believe. Sorry. No, they're going to take on the winner of this week's game, mm-hmm. GWS and Collingwood. So we'll get to that shortly. But let's move on to the Friday night game. I know that's the one I'll be wanting to speak about. I know that's you the one you'll be wanting to speak about during our, um, our pre-production meeting today. You wanted to talk a little bit about your long. So how do you want to do this? Do you want to go through the game or do you want to just smash them straight between the eyes and give Geelong uh, two J-Dog barrels worth? Do you know what? I actually want you to talk about the Melbourne stuff and talk about the game because uh, I want you to talk about your maybe talk about your experience in the game and the lining up. Yep. Um, and then I'm gonna I'm gonna hit you along between the eyes after that. All right. So I um I was one of the goodness knows how many thousand that turned up to the MCG as early as possible. Went with uh, my best mate uh, Chris M, avid Geelong supporter and a fellow colleague of ours, um, Anthony Green. Mm-hmm. Couldn't we lined up? We're probably at 200 and something meters away from the gates, thinking we're not going to get a seat here. We ended up getting a seat around about eight rows from the back on deck four. Couldn't have cared less. Couldn't have cared less. We got there two hours early, so that meant spending time in the David Meats, Meats Bar in the MCC. And I tell you what, there's nothing better than a goose IPA in a pint in a glass. And having a couple of those before a game. Because hmm. my nerves needed to be quelled. Mm-hmm. Within the first five minutes, I knew that we were on. It's probably in the first couple of minutes, we were on. Mm-hmm. The tackling, the pressure, etc. I had this... And you could feel every Melbourne supporter around the whole MCC. Because there weren't too many Geelong supporters there. It was 91-odd thousand, I think, as well. Mm-hmm. I think it was actually a bigger crowd than the Friday night by a few hundred. 60,000 mm-hmm. of them would have been Melbourne, which mm-hmm. is interesting considering we only have 45,000 members. So a lot of people have come directly from the snow or out of hibernation or have gone on the way through and picked up a Melbourne scarf because there was a lot of scarves there, but 15,000 that wouldn't have been members. Mm-hmm. The raw and the excitement, it was, it was something that for 12 years... Mm-hmm. I was there at the second last final when they beat St Kilda in the elimination final, but that was... The way that they played, we were we had to ask ourselves: Is this is this the Melbourne? Is this the Melbourne that we know? Mm-hmm. By half time, 
we're sitting back, we've got this, we've got this. Well, everybody else was saying we've got this. All 17 teams were saying that we've got this. The only people who were yeah. saying we didn't have this were Melbourne supporters. Because we know that we've fallen in many holes over the last 12 months, twice mm-hmm. against Geelong so far this year. Uh, and then the points started to come in. One goal, 10, we kicked. We thought mm-hmm. we are going to let them back in. And then the last quarter came and that's all she wrote. They were just, they were just amazing. Yeah. And now I can sit back and pick on who was awesome, who was brilliant. Now the score was 10 goals, 15-75 to 6 goals, 10-46. There are a couple of late goals that Geelong kicked to, to give them a flattering scoreline. It should have been a 10-goal win easily. Yeah. But uh, there are a couple of things I have to point out. First of all, Sam Wiedemann. Mm-hmm. We all knew it was there. We could see mm-hmm. bits and pieces of it. What he did on Friday night totally stunned me. Mm-hmm. Yep. He was, he was amazing. You know the fumbles and so forth that he'd had previously. There was none of that. It was just one yep. grab marks. It was he laid a tackle on Dangerfield right on the boundary, and this guy's close to two hundred centimeters and took him out. Yeah, he kicked three. The last goal he kicked where he's just taking the mark top of the square, running virtually, you know, 45 degrees, takes it, just trickles on, like chubbed up. James Harms, like his second half of the season, if he's not the most improved player in the second half of the season across the AFL, I don't know who is. He did mm-hmm. another job on the weekend. He played on Joel Selwood. He had 28 possessions, kicked a goal, tackled through anyone who was in his way. Gorney mm-hmm. had, a, had a, a lower game, but that didn't matter. Brayshaw, this is a guy that couldn't get a game at the start of the year. Yeah. Tommy McDonald just set us on, set us up perfectly with his goal. And you know, Jack Viney, he hasn't played since round 16. Mm-hmm. He had nine tackles to halftime, had 11 for the game. Mm-hmm. He, we are a five-goal better team. And the guy who, who just did not get in the best this week, but I'll tell you what, he just took the piss out of anyone he played on. Neville Jeddah. Once again. Once again. Now, we've spoken about him how many times over the years, over this year yeah. so far? Neville Jetta, Neville Jetta. It's almost like the broken record. Mm-hmm. He beat Dangerfield in four one-on-one contests. And yeah. go and watch the footage of it. He just does not get beaten. No. So, I, um, everything that Goodwin have been talking about, everything that we've been seeing bits and pieces of just came to fruition. And you could just see that I mean, whatever happens from this week onwards, mm-hmm. in my eyes, is a bonus. Yeah. And maybe I'm just talking it down a little bit, but you know, Brayshaw, Oliver, Viney, uh, Brayshaw, Viney, Oliver, I'm missing one as well. They're only 23, 21, 22 at the most. Jack yeah. Viney's 24. Hogan's only 22. Mm-hmm. They just got, Harms is 22 or 20, yeah, 22, 23. Yeah. So young. Very young. It, they are very young. And the way that they've built the list, like we've had to go through some hard times, but Carlton, St Kilda, Fremantle, Gold Coast, I can tell you now, shortcuts, they're never short. Mm-hmm. Go through the hard yards because when it comes out at the other side, you you just celebrate it so much. I, I went home that night, watched the replay again. Yeah. Watched it again Saturday. Narelle actually told me, I'm sick of you watching it. Went to mum and dad's. <laughs> We, we watched a bit of the footy, but we just, all we did was speak about the game because it was something that for so long we haven't been able to experience and we watched other clubs do it. And not just to be a, 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 a roaring finals experience at the MCG, 
we played well, but we dominated. Yeah. And that was just, that blew my mind. And anyone you speak to would just say there were 22 contributors across the entire field. Yeah, for sure. And they're going to go into Hawthorne this week. Mm-hmm. And I, if they play like they did on Friday, Hawthorne have got no chance. No chance no. whatsoever. They'll smash them. Nope. They yep. will smash them. Maybe not from a score perspective, but from a body perspective. Because they are a little bit of an older team in a number of areas. The oldest player mm-hmm. that we've got is uh, Lewis. That's it. That's the oldest yeah. with Jones. They've got, yep. you know, we can go through all their stars or whatever, but they've got a few older ones there. Mm-hmm. Start to lay into them. Yep. It's, I'm telling you, Jamie, it was just probably one of the most surreal experiences I have been through in the last, or at least the last 10 years, besides the birth of my kids getting married and watching WrestleMania 17 live. <laughs> it was just, yep. Yeah. It was just and, uh, awesome. And the stats here, um, like they're all Melbourne's favour. You, you could tell that by watching the game. Uh, inside 50 is way more efficient. Contested possessions, smashed them. Uncontested, smashed them. Marks, kicks, handballs, tap outs, advantage, all that stuff. You could tell just from watching it. I don't have to, I don't have to bore our audience with, with those numbers because it was on TV. All that but, I see. But it, and you, you have a look at the stoppages, et cetera. And like inside 50s, they won by 14, but it was just continuous bang, bang. They've been doing that all year. Mm-hmm. And back lines can only sustain a certain number of times. But what they are doing, though, is that they are lowering their eyes a lot more. They weren't doing that for quite a long time. Mm-hmm. And having Gorney go down back to provide uh, some relief to the backman down there is making a massive difference as well. I think what yeah. the good thing that Goodwin's done is try to get really creative with a number of things. You remember the diamond last year, mm-hmm. the guys coming off the back of the square. Uh, last time we played Hawthorne, we didn't even have wingers at one stage. No. He's gone back to that six, six, and six setup. Mm-hmm. And it's working. It is really working. And I just wanted them, you know, just good, hard, one-on-one football. Yeah. And, you know, five years ago, I couldn't even say that about Melbourne at all. Yeah. And no. I, think, I think the highlight the, the highlight of the game for me mm-hmm. was early fourth quarter, ball goes in, Petrarca, new school, bang, 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 whiz, 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 flash, flash, flash. Dishes out a handball. Jones on the outside from around about yep. 40 metres. Puts it through. It was old school. Mm-hmm. Slotting it through. And I can tell you, the crowd just, the roar. I will never forget that image of him just sitting there going, yes. If yep. that it's is been, the start been of painted what, now. Yep. If that, and has been painted in um, one of the lanes in, in Melbourne. If that's the image that stays with Melbourne supporters as the start of our, you know, fingers crossed dominance over the next couple of years. Mm-hmm. I'm cool with that. I'm yep. cool with that. Perfect. So Good. I can't talk about him. I don't want to talk about him too much because I've, I've got another game to think about. But, you know, one of the things I'm very, very passionate about is you're humble in victory and you're humble in defeat. Mm-hmm. And it was just, I haven't gone and bagged anyone. Oh, actually, I bagged one bloke who was a Richard Carlton, a Geelong supporter. But besides that, we just enjoy it. And we move on to this week. Perfect. Because as soon as you've got something, it can be taken away, taken away really quickly as your mob that you're going to talk about in a moment, Geelong did. So mm. I'm going to sit down. I'm putting on the bulletproof vest. <laughs> All right. And I'm, I'm ready to... Uh, I think this might be the first... Normally, I roll out the great pretender. For mm-hmm. the, I think this might be the J-Dog's first edition of the great pretender. Actually, we might even just take out 
great. Because I think they are just <laughs> pretenders full stop. So I'm not only going to let you go with it. J-Dodge, right. let's hear it. Double barrel. All right. So let's, let's just call it as a, there is something on the nose down there at Geelong and it's not the Alcoa smelting plant anymore. Since 2012, they've debuted 31 players and only six of those 31 players are locks in their regular team, what we see today. 19 of those players are aged between 26 and 35 years old. So for comparison, Essendon has 16, Collingwood has 15, Hawthorne has 20. But most importantly, Melbourne only has 12 players who are aged between 26 to 35 years old. So that bracket. Yep. What does that mean? Patrick Dangerfield's 28, Zach Tui's 29, Joel Salwood's 31, Tom Hawkins is 31, Harry Taylor is 33, and Gary Abbott is 35 years old. Soon, they're going to have to change all the parking spots at the stadium to pensioner parks with that list coming up. What I don't get with this team, and this is purely on Chris Scott and the list managers, is they made some huge, huge culls a while ago. But they had this romantic story last year about Ablett's return. Yet they're so inconsistent in what they're delivering to their supporters that they sacked Stevie J, Josh Kelly, Paul Chapman and Josh Hunt, who all went on and played a couple of more years at other clubs. Yet they traded, they sold this story that they're going to get back. Ablett, and it's going to make the biggest difference to this club. And yet cull away their other grand final players who served for three premierships earlier. So that's and, a super inconsistent And uh, you forgot Jimmy Bartell. And Bartell as well. You're right. So what does that mean now? So where are we now with Geelong? So they've won three out of nine games in a final series since their premiership in 2011. So they've been bundled out of just straight sets. They've been, they've been booted out in first games. They haven't really done anything um, overly spectacular. But the bad news for these guys here is Chris Scott is signed on until 2022. So their coach hasn't really debuted anyone coming up to take the players, to take those six players who are what you call the stalwarts of the team to come through that list. They've been underperforming now for, for a lot of the year. And then on top of that, you've got George Holland-Smith and Daniel Menzel who are on, uncontracted uh, at the end of 2018. Um, so what does it mean for Geelong in terms of where they've been? So they've been middle roading now for since 2011. They've made finals, but they've been middle roading. What that means is, and Pep's, you know, Melbourne are a really good example of this. They used, they grew their list organically, what they say, organically. Um, you guys got early draft picks in, you traded for young players, you traded experienced players who had a bit of value. You took some risks and it's now paying off. Geelong have never done that. They've literally just, well, they haven't ever got an early pick in the draft really because they've been finishing in the final so often. But they're also not prepared to play their kids and then stick with their kids. So you've got players like Quinton Narkles had six games. Uh, Brendan, uh, who else is in there? Um, Tim, or Tim Kelly's a lock now. Wiley well, Buzzer. Is, is yeah. um, Tim Kelly going to hang around? That's, that's, you know, that's the call that they need to make if... If they've got a commodity, they've got a commodity that wants to go back to Perth. Mm-hmm. You know you're going to get nothing next year. You're going to get probably nothing. Well, he's still on a contract, so he still yep. has to be 
you know, trade it out. Mm-hmm. But this guy's hot, like white hot. Yep. Why wouldn't yep. you, if you were Geelong, saying, mm-hmm. all right, is this list going to win us a flag? Yep. No. No way. Is this list going to get us to where we need to be in terms of contested football? Mm-hmm. No. This yep. guy's a beast. We, we mm-hmm. got him up for a, a late 20s pick. We yeah. could get a first rounder, which we could yep. then probably maybe split to a couple of first rounders. Yep. Depending on. Mm-hmm. You know, they're the big calls that the clubs make. Yeah. Hawthorne have made them. Yep. We've made them to a certain degree. Mm-hmm. But the good clubs make the call to move on their veterans. Yep. Or try and get something from them. Yep. To bring in the, the freshness. Yep. They haven't so done for, that. No, they haven't. So Chris Scott, and what they need to really start to look at is the list profile, the age profile, because as you can see, your Melbournes and those teams have really young lists, which is fantastic for long success. You can top up, top up, top up like Hawthorne are doing now. Even Hawthorne have had some success because they brought some really young guys in. Um, but you guys went back, sorry, you guys being Melbourne, went back and you traded young, you got young talent in. For Melbourne for next year, what they need to really do is look at, once again, their trading and also look at their game style because that hasn't stood up anymore. If you look at the game style, yeah. um, that they've bought now quite a few more, quite a few years now in a row against you guys, a young team, hunger team, 12 years since the finals, all that, all that story. They got absolutely smashed by Melbourne. Um, and Melbourne did a couple of ways. Melbourne were very smart. So Melbourne did it. They did the exact opposite of what Geelong loved. Geelong loved the uncontested playing style where they just get the handballs, the cheapies over the top and run, run, run uh, that way, run forward. Melbourne went man on man and they took that away from Geelong. Then on the other way, Melbourne heard them coming back the other way and they ran their legs off those old geriatric players that Geelong have on their list and they exposed them. And as the game went further and further in, Melbourne just looked more and more dominant, like they were just taking it easy. Um, So that's the way I saw Geelong and that's why I think Geelong need to readdress is their game plan. They need to look at the style because it doesn't work. And they need to look at their list profile because that's too old now. Um, and play some more young kids, get, get them consistently playing in that list. You got to play the kids. You yep. got to, you know, I keep, like I said, I, I do it every week. I go back to my mob because mm-hmm. we had to go through the pain when Ruse first came on board, we had to get mm-hmm. the defensive side of things right. And then you, yep. once you got that right, you can then start attacking. Yep. But we had a very young crop, you know, Neil Bullen, Brayshaw, Stretch, Hogan, mm-hmm. Harms, Oliver, that's I think eight that I've just rolled yep. off. Yep. Were were young. Uh, Oscar McDonald as well. Young Very and skinny. Young and skinny. They had to put weight on. They had to, but they had to get games into them. And mm-hmm. so what they've done, especially the last three years, is that they've consistently had games into this group. Mm-hmm. With a bit of support of Jordan Lewis, yep. Vince. Obviously, Jason Jones, but you yep. can't forget Daniel Cross when he first came to the club because they yep. set the standards. Because until yep. then, they didn't know what the standards were. Yeah. Yeah. What Hawthorne have done is, is... Sorry. Yeah, sorry. I was going to say, the thing is, though, if you look at Geelong and their, and their, you know, their star players that they always talk about, Dangerfield, Joel Selwood, Hawkins, and Gary Ablett, 
they're at a position now where they're 28 to 35 in that list there. No one's going to pick them up on a contract really anymore. They've got no trade value because they're too old. Where you guys did some really smart things and you brought the young players in and pushed some of those older players um, out or you just kept them in development roles within your club, which was smart as well. So you have a look at Geelong. I've just opened mm-hmm. up. I've opened up their webpage, having a bit of a look around. They've got the Kaji Greaves medal. Mm-hmm. That's it. And there's an image. Ablett, mm-hmm. Hawkins, Selwood, Dangerfield. Yep. Now the question you have to ask is, okay, outside of that four, mm-hmm. who's the face of Geelong? Mm-hmm. Don't know. And that's my point. Don't is know. that a lot of the good clubs will have their current face yep. and then the next year's face coming through. Mm-hmm. Hawthorne have got that. They've got Mitchell. They've got O'Meara. You can see that. Mm-hmm. Richmond, well, where, where, do we, where do we start with them? They've still got Dusty. Yeah. But is it Higgins? Is it yeah. Lambert? Is yep. it Alice? Well, Alice can't get a game at the moment. No. But uh, Ranch is still going to be there. Rewalt's yep. eventually going to finish up. But you've got thing. Yep. You've got coming through West Coast. Yeah, you got Kennedy and you got Darling. Mm-hmm. But, you know, um, Nick Yak's gone out this year. Uh, Gaff's not there. Well, he probably won't be there anyway, but you've still got, you've got Brass, Shuey. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, you've also got Rioli. Yeah, mm-hmm. you, you can see what's sitting underneath. I yep. see with Geelong. Hawk, if Hawkins doesn't kick a score, they don't. They, no one's going to score for them. No. Menzel's too unreliable. Yeah, you're expecting Dangerfield to kick, you know, three or four every mm-hmm. week. He can't do it. Mm-hmm. Ablett, in terms of a hard ball, you know, you have a look at some of his footage on the weekend. He wasn't going anywhere near contested ball or anywhere he has to put his body on the line. Yep. Credit to the bloke, probably one of the greatest that's ever played the game. But he's 34. And the yep. older you get, you don't want to be doing, you don't do things at 34 that you were doing when you were 24. No. In, in, Joel, anywhere in life. No, no, exactly right. And, and, uh, and Joel, have a look, well, he's, you could just see the frustration building in him. And when he gave away that free kick on, on the wing, which I totally agree with, can't just grab a yep. bloke around the head and throw him to the ground. No. It was just frustration that built, had built, and that just shows that how Melbourne had got under their skin. And you remember quite a number of years ago when Mitch Robinson said bruise free football from Melbourne. Mm-hmm. I bet you, if we had a look at that game he, on the weekend, he might take those words back. Yep. Um, they're shocked and they're done. They're done. Yep. And um, yeah, sorry, keep going. No, we've got, actually got, I've actually got, we've got our first couple of questions, first couple of questions from a listener of ours. Oh, go for it. So a listener, Waymo, shout out to you for listening and, and, and hope all's going well. Yep. Uh, He's got two questions for us. You ready for this? Go for it. Next year, what is Ablett's role? Where do you see him? I don't think he's a forward. Mm. Um, too slow for a wing. Too what slow for a wing. He could play that sort of sweeping halfback flank role and just set the ball up because he's a beautiful worker of the foot. He's a good kicker. Yeah. He's a good kicker. Um, I don't think that he's. He could expose though on the speed yeah, going back. Maybe, but it could be just depending. You, you could have him almost as that seventh backman, like that sort of backwards mm-hmm. of mid yeah, yeah. to I play that about, sweeping yep. role. Yep. Uh, but besides that, like he doesn't fit in. Like he, maybe down forward. Uh, but yeah. But then you're going to have Hawkins and him down there. It, it's a conundrum that they have to look at. Mm. 
Uh, because age, age, ca- age just catches up quickly. Yeah. That's the thing. Like when you've played footy, I know when I went from 35 to 36, in that year when I, when I hit 36, mm-hmm. I was cooked. The, yep. body just, the body just said, mate, that's enough. Yep. Um, even though the mind still says keep going. Mm-hmm. He's, I think maybe that halfback realm or maybe just as a permanent forward pocket. Yeah. But, you know, the first thing to go is your speed. When The older you get, the speed. So playing yeah. a forward pocket, getting those leads, et cetera, that's going to go quickly. He's not going to be able to do that. At least at the yeah. halfback line, if he plays a sweeper, that's, that's pretty much all I can see him playing. I don't I know. I personally think he's taking a spot of Quinton Narkel. I, I think he probably shouldn't be there because he's taking a spot of Quinton Narkel. Yep. In that forward role. So maybe, maybe you just you say to him, "Hey, mate, look, hang him up. Hey, we need you around the club as a, a coach." Because I yep. think he's got a lot of value to add. Like you don't get to the how good he is, you know, not knowing what to do and how to do it. They reckon he's one of the best preparers in the game. He mm. needs to. You, you can't waste that IP. You've got to be able to. You need to hand it on to the next generation. So maybe it's yep. as a coaching and a midfield coach that he'd be able to do something with, as an yep. assistant. Um, and, and and Harry Taylor, I reckon you should also step away. And I reckon Jackson Thurlow should come in. And he only played seven games this year, and I reckon he's a he's the perfect fit for him to, in that halfback line. So if Harry's the other question, he, you know, for the first time in a long time, I wasn't worried about him. He yep. normally plays very well against Melbourne, and it, he was nowhere to be seen at all. Yeah. And if yep. you if you'd watched the game, you you would have and you and check the stat sheet, you would have gone, oh, he played tonight. That's mm. how bad his performance was. Yeah. So um, where does this team yeah. go next year? And uh, or is it is a game style or aging list? What's what's causing the problems? Um, I think it's just a combination of all all. Yeah. Game um, style and aging list. Yep. And where does uh, it go next year? They're going to go. Oh, they're down going down. Up? Nah, they're 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 down. They're not going to make the eight next year. They can't. You can't tell me like a team like Essendon. Yeah. Uh, Brisbane. Mm-hmm. North Melbourne, if they pick up Polak and Gaff. Mm-hmm. Even your mob, if you're able to, you know, get your stuff together. Yeah. You've got potential there. So there's four teams. There's yep. only eight spots. Yep. Someone has to drop out. Sydney would probably be the other one. Yeah. So there's two. I can't see, I can't see Melbourne dropping out. I can't see West Coast dropping out. Richmond obviously will be up there. GWS, they had a lot of injuries, so they'll get a few back. It depends on how many go out the door this year. Correct. And we'll get onto them in, in a moment because there's one bloke I want to talk about who plays for GWS that mm, I reckon he's the modern day Alan Jakovic. Um, and you've also got Collingwood. I don't think they're going to go anywhere. So the two teams that lost on the weekend are probably the two teams that drop out of the eight next year. Yep. And it's going to be and, a bung, and it's going to be a bung fight. Whoever wants those last two positions. Yep, yep, yep. I'm, I'm happy with that. And I think I think they've got issues, massive issues. And I think the coach is an issue. I think the game style is an issue. Um, and I think they need to make some drastic changes for anything to change at that club because it's going to go down. They had Brian Cook on the weekend, and it's almost like we can't afford to have us as a club not perform. Mm-hmm. And I really thought that was. It was almost like finances over performance. Yeah. And we're worrying about the result and not following the process. You mm-hmm. can't do it yet. You have to be like a, a you know, a, a captain in the city to Harbour. If, if, if it's not blowing one way, you have to change tack. You have to change course. You have to change something. 
Yep. And the mob that we're going to talk about in a moment, which is Sydney, mm-hmm. they were very similar to Geelong. Mm-hmm. Because they, at no stage, changed what they've done no. over the last number of years. Nope. Um, and, and they got found out. I, like I said, I thought that they would beat uh, GWS. I just thought the sheer lack of um, fit players, etc., was going to hamper them mm-hmm. down the track. But a couple of them yep. hadn't played for so long, looked like they'd been playing all year. They were amazing. So, yep, Geelong yep. are cooked. They won't make the eight next year. Um, and for all my Geelong supporters out there, uh, give us a buzz this time next year. I'll give you all the great uh, snow locations um, <laughs> because we won't need to be going there next year either. But um, moving on to Saturday afternoon. Now, yep. the weather was one thing, okay? Yep. But Sydney's four, four goals, 6.30, were trounced by the greater Western Sydney Giants, 10 goals, 19.79. 10 scoring shots to 29. They have been absolutely obliterated off the field yeah. and on the field. The mm-hmm. fact that they only had two goals up until around about 10 minutes to go into the game is pathetic. Yep. Franklin, I, you know, to a degree, I really feel sorry for this bloke. Mm-hmm. Because if he doesn't kick a bag, who else for Sydney's going to do it? Mm-hmm. He's almost like the same. It's, it's almost like Geelong have moved up to Sydney. Mm-hmm. change their colours mm-hmm. and play a very similar style that, funny enough, worked for both teams in the early 2000s. Mm-hmm. It hasn't translated. Football's changed. Mm-hmm. Their, um, their crop of players haven't. And I'll tell you, have a no. look at Sydney's profile for ages as well. It's not too much yeah. better. No. no. Sydney's also very old. They are old. And, and once again, the common thread here with... Uh, Melbourne winning and and Richmond and GWS is speed. Yep, they go they go they go fast. They run in waves and they are running hard both ways and running these old teams off their legs. And uh, that was probably the biggest criticism that anybody had on GWS was that they were because they were such high draft picks mm-hmm. that they only knew how to run one way, yep. and that was forward of the ball. Mm-hmm. On the weekend, they did something they have I haven't seen them do for a long time. That was running both ways, yeah, putting pressure around the ball. Mm-hmm. It's just a sign of maturity. It, it had to happen. You can't have this group of kids playing with each other for so long for them not mm-hmm. to mature. And like I said, it's very easy for um, uh, time to say you've had enough. Time to hang up the boots. It could also yeah. work in the other way to say, "Hey guys, all right." Now you've hit that maturity level. Mm-hmm. Let's go ahead and do something. And that's what's happened. But yeah. I have to pick out two blokes. And when I say these two names, it's not going to surprise you. First of all, they're captain. Yeah. Bill Davis. It's yep. the second time I think he's held Buddy Golas in a final. I think twice in yep. a row now. Yep. He was just phenomenal. Uh, some of the highlights of him, he was dominating from behind, dominating from in front, dominating the mm-hmm. side. Yep. There, there was just no answer. If they tried to kick it behind him, he positioned himself to, to block the run. Uh, well, athletically, he matches up well with him, doesn't he? He does. But he's got, he's got that football intellect to be able to do something with it as well. Yeah. Um, yeah. But that wasn't, that wasn't the one I wanted. I had to talk about Toby Green. Yeah. Now, this is a guy that not many people like for whatever yes. reason. Is he a flog? Yes. Do you watch him on TV? You go, wanker. Mm-hmm. 
But he just makes people, he would make me go through the door to watch him. Yeah. He's just exciting. He hadn't played for virtually most of the season. And he's come back and just, he's just taken the piss. Bruce Lee style and all. (laughs) Yep. I I, I really just don't know what to say. He he was just, he was phenomenal. Yeah. Absolutely phenomenal. And to, to the point that, it was almost every time it went down to the forward lines, like, what's Green going to do now? Mm-hmm. You remember like, uh, what would Jesus do? What yes. would Green, it was like, what would Greeny do? Yeah. Because there was one, it was one where, I think it was one of his first goal. It was in, he was in the middle of nowhere. And he's just yep. shimmy, shimmy over the shoulder. And then just mm-hmm. some of those marks where he was just throwing it up, you know, sidekick style, which yep. I, you know, I have no issue with. The look's mm-hmm. not great, but there's no rule to say that you can't do it. No. Um, but he's just the only person that wants to do it. What are you going to, what are you going to, um, it, it wasn't, it wasn't high. It wasn't yeah. dangerous. He was just using another part of his body to hold the player out. Mm-hmm. I just don't know how you'd counteract it. You can't pull his leg because would that be trippy? Yeah, I don't know. Oh, man, I don't know. So I think there needs to be some clarity around that. Well, what, how do I, de- you know, how would you de- show me how I could defensively work against that without having a free kick? But he's just exciting. Mm. And it just goes yep. to show that you just need a couple of those cogs to hit the field at the right time and anything can happen. They, yeah, they, are, Leon, they, they were a standout. Yeah, and Leon Cameron also, you know, a couple of years ago, threw him forward because he realised that probably he's not a midfielder um, because a team full of absolute gun midfielders, he's probably the, he's probably the, 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 the fifth that doesn't quite fit into that, into that four. Yeah. Um, he, he, so he was the Pete best forward. of the GWS Beatles. Yep, yep. <laughs> so he pushed him forward, and, and it's been a revelation for, for Toby Green and, and that team. And um, now having a, a a third dangerous option because you've got um, you've got Jeremy Cameron, who's not smacking blokes. You've got Himmelberg, who's oh, um, turned into a really good forward. I love the cheese. He's fantastic. And then, and then you've got Toby Green, who will make you nervous as soon as that ball hits the ground. So, and yeah, even. Callum Ward, you like when the when the game early on when the heat was on, he set the standard. Yeah, and that's where I was saying where GWS did it better over than Gold Coast is that they got really good quality people up to that club in their first mm-hmm. couple of years, and, and I've gone through it before. They had Luke Power, they had um, Chad Corns, Dean mm-hmm. Brogan, James McDonald was there as well, and then they yep. got some of the younger ones, and one of those was Callum Ward, um, and he has been just super for that club. Yep. So, I'll tell you what, I reckon that they're a chance against Collingwood this week. If they play like they did on the weekend with their makeshift mm. back line, mm-hmm. they could really do a number on the pies this weekend. Yep. Is this a night game or a day game? This one, I can't remember. Night game. Night game, right. Okay. 7.20 Saturday night. Yep. I reckon, um, I reckon they're going to beat the pies. So, we're going to have a prelim that was exactly the same as last year. Yeah, Richmond, oh, you're right. Yeah, GWS at the G. Yeah, that would that would be exciting. That would mm-hmm. be massively exciting. That would be. It would be. I um before um we give our tips for this week, mm-hmm. there was one game, and it's probably the best game on the weekend, which was Collingwood taking on West Coast at uh, yep. at the at the Bowl at Optus Stadium, and yep. it was uh, from. I was a corker. It was it was back and forth all day. Kudos yep. to Collingwood for everything that they've had, uh, injury wise, who they brought back, 
Mm-hmm. They were fantastic. And mm-hmm. I'm not the biggest fan of Collingwood, just for whatever reason. But when I see teams playing football like that, it's hard not to give them a pat on the back and say, guys, you busted your chops. It, unfortunately, did he go down 12 goals, 14.86 to 10.10.70. 16 mm-hmm. points, a couple late ones just to sort of give it a bit of flattery. But you know, less than 10 minutes to go, it was virtually even. And then mm-hmm. uh, West Coast kicked the last couple to, to steamroll through. Yeah. What, what can you say? It was just a it was just a belter of a game, back and forth all day, and that's what finals footy needs to be. And that's and that's one other thing I'll I'll mention about the rule changes just before we finish up. Yeah. Um, but a brilliant game. I know your wife is a Collingwood supporter. How'd she feel after the game? Uh, she was furious. Um, she was angry at the end because of Collingwood losing. She doesn't like Collingwood losing. But I did have a mate, Azza, who also listened to the podcast. He actually went over to the game. Um, he's a he's a dedicated Collingwood man, so he actually went over there and and watched him. Beautiful. Yeah, it was actually um, it was almost like a uh, like a like like a Rocky movie fight. You oh, know, they were just swinging at each other back and forth, back and forth. It was a brilliant game. Yeah, until until the last ten minutes of the last quarter. Yeah, so it was two goals in it at quarter time. Mm-hmm. Uh, less than a goal at half time. Mm-hmm. Goal and a half at three-quarter time. So it was just tight all the way. Yep. And unfortunately, I don't know whether it was just uh, lack of conditioning, whether it was the conditions itself being over at West Coast at night, a bit hot. Uh, they kicked the la- well, they kicked five in the last to, to Collingwood's one. Mm-hmm. Probably put a bit of mayo on the result. But Collingwood yeah. should be really, really proud. Whether or not the, the blokes that they brought in uh, who had been off for quite a while due to injury, Goldsack, Howe, and Trelaw, whether the mm-hmm. fatigue kicked in for them. They'll probably feel it even more this week. They usually say it's the second one that you feel a lot more. Yeah. Um, and, the, you know, the rumour is that they may be going to be bringing in Darcy Moore to take on Jeremy Cameron. So that's four. Can they afford to do so? Yeah. I'm not too sure, but what have they got to lose? Really? What, it's no. either going to work or it's going to blow up in the first quarter. Yeah, exactly right. Okay. But by you know, but by then, you sort of got a feel of the game, which way it's going to go. Yeah. GWS did the same thing though. They brought in quite a number. Williams hadn't played a game for virtually the he hadn't played a game for the whole season. Comes into a first final, hadn't looked like he missed a beat. Mm-hmm. Yep. But they, um, they were they were brilliant. Yep. Yeah, and and goal second Trelaw still made the best for Collingwood, so they still had good games. But as you said, I think um I think Jack Viney did that early in the year. He had one of the best games, and then the week after he was. Uh, he came back from a long injury, came back, had a good game, and then I think he suffered form the second week. So yeah, I think maybe the same. It might be the same. Look, I don't know. I just think that it'd be really good to have Collingwood's best versus GWS's best because they yep. play a very, very style. They're, they're midfield. Adams, Trelaw, yep. you got Grundy, who is virtually another midfielder as well, too. Side yep. bottom, uh, Pendlebury, you got to go down the forward line as well. They just, yeah. they're sexy to watch. And they're very yeah. pinpointy. They've got Howe flying down back. Amazing how Goldsack can come back after having a partial rupture in his ACL and then coming back towards the end of the season. That is, that's mind-blowing stuff. Yeah. And, then, and then you've got to look at ones like Stevenson and Dugowie as well. Oh, by the way, Varco's first goal, the one where he kicked along the, the virtually running towards the boundary line in the first quarter. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I don't think there would have been anybody who wasn't standing when that went through. After yeah. the tough week that he's had. Yep. 
Yeah, that's a good one. They've got there. There's they've got a lot of a lot of upside. Yeah. Um, it, the issue is with Cox this week. What we with Cox had a few bad games now in a row. He's so tall. I don't think GWS have got someone to cover him, but he's such a liability for Collingwood that he can't run back the other way against the GWS um, powerhouse running team. So he's a liability. I think well, Cox, that's that's an interesting point this week. Cox is flaccid. <laughs> the Cox yep. is flaccid. He was a liability for them. When it works, it works. Yeah. But when it doesn't, it goes horribly wrong. Yeah. You might as well have 21 running out there because you can't do anything. You can't ruck. Nope. You can't put him down can't back. Can't tackle. Can't tackle. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's, yeah. It's, a big, it's a big thing to think about because, you know, who's going to be playing on him? Phil Davis. And he's mm-hmm. no slouch. So if he no. can take the piss out of Buddy, what will he do with Mason Cox? Yeah, exactly. Exactly right. Uh, yeah, it's going to be an ex- <laughs> mate. We've got two semi two semifinals this week. Um, mm-hmm. We're rolling through. We've got the the Friday night game, Hawthorne versus Melbourne at the House of Stoush, the MCG. Then going yep. on Saturday night, Collingwood versus GWS, a seven twenty start. Mm-hmm. I reckon it's time to have a bit of a quick uh, a quick analysis. Who do you think is going to take these games out? And margin-wise. Mm-hmm. So, yep. let's go first. I'll go first for the first game. Cool. You go first for the second game. So, this week, Melbourne versus um, Hawthorne. It's mm-hmm. as simple as this. If Melbourne come out and do what they did to Geelong on the weekend, the yep. result's going to be similar. Four goals. Yep. Four goals? If, yep, four goals. Okay. If Melbourne uh, don't play yep. to their, you know, to the, to the levels that they've been setting over the last number of weeks, and Hawthorne do... It'll be mm-hmm. it'll be a couple of points each way. I can't see Hawthorne blowing us out of the water, mm-hmm. and if for that to happen, we have to have a we have to have a Barry Crocker and a half for that to occur. Yep. So I'm saying Melbourne by about four four goals, mm-hmm. but it could be more right. if they kick straight. Okay, I'm going to say Melbourne by two goals. Okay, beautiful. Um, so like I think it. Hawthorne Hawthorne may have a bit of experience there. Yep, certainly. It's just a matter of are they going to be able to go all day? Correct. That's the other thing as well. So we'll see what happens. Saturday night, Collingwood Saturday versus night. the goal, the uh, West of Sydney. Thoughts, mm-hmm. feelings? Jamie Wallace. All right. I'm going to go with GWS and only because from what I saw on the weekend in terms of that two-way running um, and the way that they covered and shifted their lines for defence, um, you know, leaving their players and, and, and prepared to take that risk and, and, to, and to make the spoil. Um, I don't think Collingwood are quite there at that level at GWSR. So I'm going to go GWS by three goals. I'm going GWS mm-hmm. to slow, to, sorry, to start slowly. Maybe mm-hmm. Collingwood getting up by maybe three or four and mm-hmm. then peg it back as time goes on and probably kick away maybe in the last 10 minutes of the game. Yep. I just, I, I just think that both midfields are fantastic. The loss of Kelly is going to be a huge one for GWS. I don't think we've mm-hmm. addressed that yet. That is going to be going to be big. Yep. On the flip side, I just don't think that Collingwood could bring in too many underdone. And if they decide to bring in another one this week for Darcy Moore and Cameron, it could mm-hmm. be the rod that breaks the camel's back. Yep. So it looks like um, if everything goes to plan... Melbourne will beat Hawthorne. GWS uh-huh. will beat Collingwood. That means the week after, we are going to have a repeat of the 2017 preliminary final, which is Richmond versus GWS. Uh-huh. And 
West Coast versus Melbourne over there in Perth, probably the Saturday afternoon, mm-hmm. which we never know. We never know what's going to happen there. So yeah, it's it's going to be it's look. It's just going to be a cracking week of football. Now here and here's one thing I want to quickly quickly throw out to you. Yeah. The the AFL want to make rule changes. Mm-hmm. I think when it comes to finals football. That's the reason why nothing should change. Mm-hmm. I think what's happening is that the AFL are making the changes relative to probably the bottom six teams mm-hmm. because they're the ones that just don't have the skills or the capabilities or the processes in place and to keep them in place for a full 100 minutes of football. Mm-hmm. And they are getting conge- And the easiest way to stop teams is to congest, whether it's congest around the ball or congest the opposition's 50. Yeah. To bring these changes in to make the, the crappier games look better, which mm-hmm. will affect the results that happen down further at towards the end of the year, I think is a mistake. Yeah. Um, just from what I've seen, there's a difference between congested football and contested hard in and under football. And yeah. that's what we yep. got to see throughout the first four games this weekend. That it was yep. just, it was, it was finals football. You could see it was a difference from what you'd been seeing from the bottom six clubs of, of the year so far. Absolutely. And to the AFL, please, you know, do not throw an 18, 18 meter square. That is going to look shithouse. Yep. 666, I don't mind. Mm-hmm. But because it's only a starting spot when they first begin. But outside mm-hmm. of that, like teams need to, to uh, develop organically. Let the play yep. develop organically. Yeah. That's my take. That's my rant. That's my snaps and claps. Good. Just, yeah. Uh, just a quick one to our thing. We've launched, we've launched our Facebook page. The Facebook uh, page as live is live. It is, it is it live. Is. So like, comment, share. It is. Put some comments up there. Ask us some questions for our podcast and we'll, yep. um, and, and we'll get back to them and answer them in our podcast in the future. And certainly. And one other thing that I need to let everybody know about, you don't actually know this, Jamie, is if you go to the Lace Out podcast uh, site, the logo says hosted by me, they'll actually be changing. It'll be hosted by me. And Jamie Wallace from now on, because I just think that the amount of work that you've put in over the last half of this year has been awesome. And to not give you the credit where the credit is due. Um, I love doing this every week. It sounds so much better when you've got two people just chewing the fat about the single greatest game in the world. Um, So it's going to be both of us from now on. It's something that we're really passionate about. I'm like I said, football's football, but having it to be able to chat about it and just talk no frills. Um, mm-hmm. I'm passionate and now we want to hear you guys be more passionate about it. So go to the Facebook page, um, lace out podcast. So just look That's at the, yep, lace out podcast. Just look for the, the guy holding the ball lace out in big blue. There's hosted by Christopher Pepper and Jamie Wallace. More importantly, we're going to have the guests. Um, and we're going to continue this through also, we're going to have a little bit of look, look over the trade period. We're also going to have a look at a bit of a look, um, towards the draft as well too maybe not too in depth because hey i've got no idea about the kids but just having you think about hey what what are people saying out there but more importantly um we've still got two three massive weeks of football to go um i just think there's just one last thing i have to ask the viewers out there and the listeners out there is i might ask you to ask on their behalf jamie how do you mm-hmm. like your finals football buddy I like it every weekend the same way. I like it. Lace out. Lace out. Thank you very much, listeners. Get on the Facebook page. Jamie, you're a gun. 
Your, listeners, you're a gun. Melbourne, you're a gun. Go D's. We'll be back here <laughs> next time, next week. Go D's. Have a go. Go D's. Go number five. <laughs> See ya. See ya. Bye.